Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Good morning, everybody, and welcome online. Thank you guys for being outside. Uh, Hopefully it's not too hot out there. I know my Aunt Rose is probably still wearing a sweater. Um, But hopefully you guys are all comfortable out there, and we want to remind you that next week we are opening up, and you are welcome to come. We are going to have chairs here inside where it will be air-conditioned. We are keeping it minimal, and we will also have the chairs outside under the canopy for those who feel more comfortable outside, and we hope that you will make it out here. Uh, It is interesting how we have to kind of re-align our lives to do things that used to be normal for us and have not been a part of our lives for over a year now. And I know it can be a little difficult sometimes, but we hope that you guys will make the effort and join us next week, 10 o'clock. Of course, we're still going to be doing things here online, as we have been for those who can't join us or those who can watch later. You can do so in that way. And also, with that, I want to remind you that Genesis is here because of you, not just because you come and are a part of this and are the family that makes up what Genesis is, but because you contribute to the working of Genesis financially. And so as you continue to do that, it kind of keeps things going here for us. Uh, Starting next month, we are going to be paying a full amount again for rent. And these are the ways that you can give through Zelle, Venmo. You can mail it to us or go to thegenesisstory.com and contribute to us here at this community those ways. And I encourage you, if this is your family and your community, please pray about how you can help out in those ways. And I know a lot of you have gone through some financial hardships through this past year, and there is no pressure on you to have to do anything. Uh, This is something that we do when we can because we desire to be a part of what Genesis is about. So again, thank you guys for your contributions up to this point and pray that they continue, that we can continue doing the things that we are doing. And I look forward to seeing more of you next week. Hopefully, uh, it'd be great to catch up with some of you guys and the things that are happening. And I'm going to share a little bit next week on just some of the thoughts we have leaning forward and trying to uh, really not go back to what was normal, but to step into what we want to create for the future. We don't want to go backwards. We want to lean into what's ahead of us. And I think God's already there working, and we just need to see what he's doing and kind of continue in that way. Heaven, how are you? Uh, Anyway, it's good to be here with you guys this morning. Um, I am continuing our series on transformation, 
And I'm going to talk again about what it is to declare the good news. You know, as, as followers of Jesus, we have developed our own vocabulary. We have words that are very unique. You can talk to someone and you might know immediately if they are a Christian or not just by some of the words that they use. You hear a word like fellowship, right? I don't hear the word fellowship except for usually in those church circles or a congregation, right? Where do you hear that? A congregation or, uh, you know, you're going to preach the gospel or preach the word, right? These are like buzz words that we have that really are unique to who we are. And what happens is I think we've taken some of these things like gospel, which essentially means good news. And not only have we used a word that is unique to us, but we've also made a definition that is unique to a culture and not one that maybe is more connected to the person of Christ and what good news gospel was essentially about. And I want to lean into how we share this good news, not only to others, but to ourselves. How we can avoid some of the pitfalls of oversimplifying, right, the living gospel, right? I I want it to be something that's more than just a picture that we look at, right? The gospel is supposed to be something that we don't just see and scrutinize. This isn't just letters on a page. This is a living landscape. This is wind blowing through the trees, a, a river, you know, dancing and singing with its sounds that capture our senses. It's supposed to be something that we are participating in in life and not something that we just see. Not something that's stagnant, but something that's active. And I want to remain childlike, not childish, but childlike in how I approach this. And what I mean by that is I want to be curious. I want to ask those thousand why questions. I I want to know what's the meaning of it. It's so amazing. My grandson, Judah, we can have a conversation and he's in the other room on his tablet and we will say something and he'll, he'll come into the room and he goes, what do you mean? It's like, where'd you come from? You were listening. It's like, he's listening to everything. He wants to know what every word means. I mean, you say something about anything and he's got his radar up. He's just this magnet drawing all this. And I want to be that way with the things that God is trying to reveal to us regarding gospel, regarding good news and what it looks like. What does good news look like to me or to someone in various situations in their life? in areas that we've talked about in the past regarding our security, our belonging, our significance, right? This can be areas where we believe lies or develop idols. I I want to find out where does the good news show up in these areas? And, And if good news or this word gospel feels general, it feels generic, it feels like it's just very broad, often it's because it's not addressing the real bad news, right? It's easy to say, well, yeah, I'm just a sinner. And that's very open and that's very broad. It's a lot more difficult to say, I have a problem with pornography because I don't have intimacy and don't feel like I really belong 
and now we're getting to more of a heart issue. Or I get upset and, and cuss at my kids because they won't listen to my words because I think that I'm supposed to be a person who's in charge and I get my significance from those things. You see, if we start doing a little bit of digging sometimes into that bad news, that's where we can then hear what is good news, what is gospel. But we have to move from the general to the real, to the specific. And that's sometimes where we have lost the meaning because we've given the words definitions that just are all-encompassing but don't require our engagement as much as they should. And I think it's worth that digging. That's what we've been talking about. And another thing is good news needs to be news, right? It's not advice. Good news is different than good advice. Advice focuses on behavior, how to fix or manage a situation. News is a report. It's giving a report, a proclamation about something that is true and real. That's what it was supposed to be, right? I know there's questions about that today, but news is supposed to be just revealing what is happening. And good news needs to be personal, not just an idea that's out there. A good idea is about God, and you need to apply it to your life. It places an emphasis on thinking, right? Just think harder about the truth or about Scripture. Memorize Scripture, those kinds of things about God, and then you'll believe it. That's a good idea, but that's not the same thing as good news. Good news has to be personal from God to you. It is something that meets you where you are. Are and speaks directly into what is happening in your life, especially into the areas where there is bad news. Bad news about security, bad news about belonging, bad news about significance. Good news includes me, but it isn't all about me. It's bigger than me, but is trying to involve me in it. Again, it's a living landscape, not just a stagnant picture. It's about God and what he's doing to restore the world. The good news catches me up in God's story rather than tries to fit God into my story. And that's a big difference. Good news generally, and from the human side about security, significance, and belonging, it's pushing into those things. It declares who God is and who we are because of who God is, that we are loved. And because of our union with a triune God, who is love, we receive security. You're safe. We have belonging. We belong to this family and significance that we matter. We talked about that a little bit last week. And I want to look at a few passages in Scripture where I think we can see good news in a very tangible way. Turn with me to John 21, starting at verse 1. After this, Jesus revealed himself again, this is after the resurrection, to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon, Peter, Thomas, called the twin. Congratulations to Rick there. 
Nathaniel of Canaan of Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Now, after the resurrection of Jesus, some of the disciples were trying to figure out what they had to do. You know, the past three years, we had been with this rabbi. Our life was moving in this direction, but he was crucified, and and our way of living has just been pulled out from under us, and so we're going to go back to what we know. There there is a sense of giving up on the dream that they were a part of. They're they're going back to what was familiar, and I think that's a tendency we all have. We want to go back to what's comfortable. Oh, this is what we used to do. This is what we can do again. It's what is going to give us a sense of stability and security. Going back to what they knew because they've given given up on following Jesus, and now they got nothing else to show for it. Verse four, just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. It's interesting. Jesus first asked the disciples to acknowledge their lack. Have you caught anything? No. He's helping them to see that where they are is not bringing them what they need, that what they've gone back to is less than what they had. Continues. In verse six, he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard it, that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the full net of fish for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. So they go back to fishing. All night, catch nothing. Can you imagine what's going on in their minds just through this time, this this feeling of, oh my gosh, how are we going to continue living after all the things we've seen, heard, and done? And we're gonna go back to this. And there's probably this sinking feeling in their gut. And, And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up and he tells them, throw the net on the other side of the boat, which to me just seems silly. Why the heck? What's different? The fish are different over here than over here. It just makes no sense what side of the net I would throw the net boat. Anyway, of course, I don't fish anyway, so who knows? But the first area of good news that Jesus proclaims to Peter is to his lack of security. And he does this with fishing advice. Throw the net on the other side of the boat. You'll find something. going back to fishing when you really should be fishing somewhere else. He addresses directly the bad news of his security and brings good news to him. He says, fish. 
Jesus offers good news in a place where they were experiencing lack, all night fishing and nothing to show for it. Now, this isn't right just a hobby or a sport. They're not like, hey, yeah, let's go fishing. Yeah, we'll go down you know, for the day and we'll have a great time. This is their livelihood. This is what their future is dependent on. And one of the temptations for Peter and the other disciples that they faced was the fear of not having enough. And Jesus meets them in that fear and provides abundantly. The good news to the disciples was to fish differently. That there is plenty, but somewhere else, not in the way you are looking for it. Continue the story in verse 9. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with the fish laid on it and bread. So what, Jesus already was fishing? He's already got fish there. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and, and hauled the net ashore full of large fish. And although... There were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish, this was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these He said to him, yes, Lord, you you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him the second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend to my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now, the second point of bad news, which Peter proclaims good news to Peter, is his lack of belonging, his shame, probably loneliness. And he does this by eating breakfast with him. The last time Peter looked Jesus in the eye was when he denied him. Peter's disloyalty to Jesus, I can only imagine, was just a burden that he was carrying. I am not worthy for this. I I do not belong to my rabbi. I, I am no longer a disciple. I am not fit to follow him And how does Jesus preach good news to Peter in his current condition? Does he tell Peter, I want you to close your eyes, repeat after me. I accept you, Jesus, into my heart as my personal Lord and Savior. No, Jesus dignifies Peter by asking him, bring some fish that you caught. And he welcomes Peter to the table and he sits and says, come and have breakfast. That's it. Notice the words are only part of this proclamation. Come and have breakfast is followed up with actually having breakfast. Right? It does no good to say, come and have breakfast and not eat the breakfast. 
That's part of it. This is the gospel embodied through the act of honor and love. This is grace and truth in action. The breakfast event, we'll call it, is the good news. But Peter had to participate in it. He had to surrender to being served by Jesus again and submit his body to the reality of that identity. I am one who Jesus loves and serves and calls friend. By sitting down and putting fish and bread into his mouth. The breakfast event declares you are acceptable to me, Peter. I will remain loyal and united with you despite your failings. My love makes you enough for me. Receive acceptance and validation that you belong. This is what good news is. And in this area of belonging, it is simply sitting down and eating breakfast with Jesus. The third point of bad news into which Jesus proclaims good news is Peter's lack of significance. And it is through a commission to shepherd others with the authority of Jesus, who is the good shepherd. And he does this by challenging Peter, right? After he has this meaningful conversation with Peter, he asks him three times, do you love me? And then the commissions him three times saying, feed my sheep, lambs, take care of my sheep. And and we've been probably taught most of the time that this is a passage about restoring and forgiving Peter, which I think is true. But these questions and commissions are also another way of Jesus proclaiming good news to Peter. Remember, the words that are used to Peter, do you love me? It's do you agape me? And Peter responds, Lord, I phileo you. Jesus asks him again, do you agape me? Peter responds again, do I, I phileo you? And then the third time Jesus says, do you phileo me? And Peter responds with, Lord, you know all things, you know that I do. And we see Jesus meeting Peter where he is. And Peter isn't told to, you know, Buck up, make it happen, work harder, strain more, repent and confess that you're a sinner. Peter isn't offered an exhaustive explanation of how Jesus' death secured his forgiveness, nor is he given a surefire formula for salvation. He is simply given a command to do simple work of the kingdom. Feed my sheep, which gives back to Peter his sense of significance. You belong to this kingdom. Do the work in the kingdom, and that is good news. When we think of sharing the gospel, the good news with people, does it look like this? Does it look like how Jesus does this? Or have we turned it into something else? Have we taken a word and give it a new definition that looks nothing like life that Jesus lived with his actual disciples? Good news should sound like something Jesus would say or someone he loves. Something he would say to someone he loves. He doesn't use fear, guilt, and shame to get people into the kingdom. He came to save us from those things. Proclaiming or preaching good news 
is full of grace and truth. It empowers, enables the repentance and makes surrendering in easier to trust the reasonable act of worship of living with God in your life. Remember that good news often sounds very normal and real life. It's not theological, it's not technical. And so this is some of the examples of of what Jesus' good news preaching sounded like. To the paralytic man, pick up your mat and go home. To Zacchaeus, who was up in the tree, come down at once because I need to stay at your house. To the Samaritan woman at the well, give me a drink. To the disciples who went back fishing, throw your nets to the other side of the boat. To Peter, come, have breakfast. This is Jesus preaching the gospel. Notice that Jesus, Jesus doesn't normally quote passages of Scripture at people or tell them to go away and think about Scripture. He is the fullness of what God's word really means, and he simply extends invitation into the good news, invitations into significance, into belonging, into security. Notice also that Jesus doesn't ask people to assent to a correct theological framework. It's enough to trust him right where they're at with whatever they're wrestling with. You got a shriveled hand? Stretch out your hand. No fish? Throw the nets on the other side of the boat. You'll find some. Condemned publicly because you were caught in adultery? I don't condemn you. Go, leave that life of sin. Excommunicated from your community, having to go to a well in the middle of the afternoon by yourself, give me a drink of water. Jesus seems to believe that if you trust him in your bad news, your sin will be dealt with as a matter of course. And more poignantly, it will be met there. You see, this is where we've been talking about the good news is directed at the bad news. This isn't just Uh, good news general. This is good news into all these areas of our life and it shows up in an embodied form meeting those needs in all these various ways. There are a lot of people who think or who have merely trusted their understanding of how forgiveness works and have completely failed to trust Jesus with their real lives. I want to say that again because I think this is important. There are a lot of people who have merely trusted their understanding of how forgiveness works and have completely failed to trust Jesus with their real lives. It has become generic. It has become something that is on a page. It has become something that they see and learn instead of something they live into. And there's a huge, huge difference as we see exemplified by Jesus in his interaction with all these people. How do I know what is gospel? What is good news? How do I know if I'm living into what is true and what is good? I I don't want to be 
making mistakes. I, if I'm going to preach, I, there used to be such a, a hang-up, and I know many people still have this. Oh, I can't share faith with anyone because I don't know enough. I don't have enough information to give them the answers. We don't see Jesus giving answers. We see him eating breakfast. We see him telling them, get up and go. I'm going to eat dinner at your house. This is all Jesus' way of proclamation of good news. We don't see Jesus answering deep theological questions. And we get so fearful of, I don't want to make a mistake. I don't want to do the wrong thing. We get so hung up on having everything exactly right. We've been sold this way of living in the gospel that is so different than Jesus and is put with all this pressure of being exact and making sure you don't do the wrong thing or you're going to encounter judgment all these ways. How do we know? Sometimes people get so nervous. I don't want to make a mistake. I don't want to tell people the wrong thing. How can I be confident that my personal concrete word of good news is actually from God and not just wishful thinking? I don't want to make a mistake, lead people astray. Here's a few things that can help you not to be so afraid. Sift your good news through these things. Maybe it'll help. Number one, the character of God. Does this good news line up with the character of God that Jesus reels? Does it sound like something that the father of Jesus would say? So you've got someone who's struggling in the area of life, and you say, hey, let's go have breakfast. Hey, let's get together and talk. Does that sound like something that Jesus would do? Is is that in character with what we see in Christ? If it is, then you're probably safe. I don't think you need to worry if it's in the character of God as we see it in Jesus. The second is the story of Jesus. Does this good news seem like a coherent extension of the story of Jesus, which is the gospel? And that one should be, again, something that we have sensed and seen. Who did Jesus reach out to? The marginalized, the, the people who weren't accepted, the, the woman who was you know, living with the man who wasn't her husband and had other husbands before that, the woman who was caught in adultery, the, the tax collector. All these people, that's part of his story, It can be a part of our story. And then the fruit of the Spirit. Does this good news produce the fruit of the Spirit in our lives when you hear it and respond to it? The fruit of the Spirit, it's joyful, it's kind, it's patience, it's enduring these things, right? Those things in Galatians that we see. If we see these things a part of what we are sharing, then I think we can rest and not have to be so fearful if I'm making a mistake. If I'm in the character of God, the story of Christ, and the fruit of the Spirit, I think even if you made a mistake, you're good. If you passes these filters, I don't think you have to worry about anything. I mean, because even if it wasn't from God, it's still good in God's world, his kingdom. And ultimately, the only way we move towards greater competency in hearing from God is to dive in and to start living it out. Participate in hearing and responding. Test it in community. See what the results are. Do the things that Jesus did. Practice preaching gospel the way Jesus did. And see what happens. 
take an experimental approach to this. If you speak a, a word of good news that passes the three tests above, then maybe God didn't speak to you, but the worst thing that came up of it was you got to preach the gospel to yourself. And there are things you could do that are worse with your time. These things would be helpful. You don't have anything to lose by diving into this full on. You know, a while back, when before COVID, years ago, we started doing some things here at, at the buildings. We had art classes. We had a graffiti class. It wasn't teaching people how to tag buildings. It was just graffiti is a type of art now. Um, we had a philosophy and critical thinking class with Jordan, who you, many of you know who's joined me on uh, Take Two a few times. We had someone from our community leave Genesis because we had a philosophy and critical thinking class, but we didn't have an inductive Bible study class. And I wasn't opposed to an inductive Bible study class. And I, I'm not even the one who brought Jordan in. Brian did. But that's the kind of pushback that happens. And as time went on and I sat in Jordan's class and it's funny because Jordan started coming here and he didn't even know this was a church and he didn't know I was a pastor. He thought I was the landlord of the building. And I sat in his philosophy classes and I was asking him questions and he thought, this is interesting. Some of these questions he's asking me and he's not, you know, he's a pretty sharp cookie and he's just put things together. And I think he asked Brian, he goes, is this a church? And Brian goes, well, yeah, there's it. And he goes, is he a pastor? And he goes, well, yeah, he is. And our relationship began from me coming to his class, sitting in and just talking to him, asking questions. And now he's a part of our community, right? Now he serves here on Sundays. He sits with me on, you know, take two on Wednesdays. He's helping us put together other things that we're wanting to do. One person did not feel that this was in line with how they saw good news being preached. And I think this is exactly how Jesus preached good news. And I think it's bearing the fruit. Jesus gives us a license to lean into this. In Luke chapter 9, verse 46 to 50, Jesus says, or talks about, an argument arose among them. To which of them was the greatest? But Jesus, knowing and the reasoning of their heart, took a child and put him in the side, put him by his side, and said to them, Whoever receives this child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you all is one who is great. John answered, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he does not follow with us. Now just think about that, right? They're casting out demons, but we put a stop to that. Not going to let him get rid of those demons. Whatever that means, can't be nothing wrong with getting rid of demons from someone, right? I mean, that just don't make sense. But Jesus said to them, do not stop him for the one who is not against us or against you is for you. Whoa, 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 wait, Jesus. You can't just open the door to anyone like that. 
that's a little too broad. You need to narrow it down. There has to be some kind of doctrinal boundaries that this is gonna fall in, right? What, what if they don't know about or believe in the virgin birth? You mean like the thief on the cross who died next to Jesus or Cornelius in Acts chapter 10? Okay, well, what if they don't believe that the Bible is the inerrant word of God? You mean like where there was New, New Testament when Jesus walked, where they didn't have the Bible and where Paul or the others did not require the Gentile church to learn and follow the Old Testament Bible? There was actually a time where there was no Bible in that early church. Something to think about. Or, or, or what about, you know, that you rose bodily from the dead? You mean like the disciples who doubted in Matthew? Some believed, some doubted. Do you know in the epistles, there's nothing that mentions the virgin birth in any of the epistles? It's only in those gospels. Where do these restrictions come from? Why does our gospel look so different from Jesus's? Why have we put these burdens on ourselves and on others to put these hoops that we have to jump through, these hurdles we have to climb over to get to be a part of the family of God when Jesus is going down and just sitting and eating with anybody. Jesus didn't tell the lame man to say a prayer and accept him into his heart. There's nowhere in the New Testament that we're told to accept Jesus into our hearts. Paul did tell people in Colossae to, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, right? But this is a lot more of an invitation to follow life in Christ than to say a prayer and join a club kind of a thing. Paul also said in 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but for, to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. You catch that? Being saved. Gospel is not looking at a painting, reading print on a book. It is living life with the Son of God. It is something that is continuing. I shared it on the Zoom call. If someone today asks me, are you saved? I usually now respond, not yet, but I'm getting there. I'm being saved. That is more biblically accurate according to Paul and the life we see of Christ. This isn't an event that happened to me. There was a time I acknowledged Christ. There was a time where the Spirit of God revealed himself to me. There was a kairos that God spoke into my life, opened my heart, gave me understanding. That was definitely a, a, a seed that was planted that then began to grow, and it's still growing but I don't want to limit it to some event that has happened in the past and not see it as something that is alive and happening now. I am taking away the power of the gospel if I do that. I am taking away the heart of the gospel when I do that, and I am limiting what God is doing in the life of others if I think that way. Now, I know this is, this is different than the way I thought. This is different the way than many of us have thought. For many years, part of my life was outreach ministry. I am the one who put on concerts. I would rent halls. I would hire bands. I would get a speaker, and I would have an event where people would come in, and we'd play music, and then we would preach the gospel by giving a message, telling them to accept Jesus into their heart. 
I did this with youth ministry. I did all kinds of things trying to develop and challenge people to repent, accept Jesus into their hearts. And I don't think that these were bad events. I don't think that I should be against them, right? Just like Jesus said, if they're not against you, they're for you. I I don't think this is bad. But I don't think this is how the gospel looked like when Jesus preached it. And maybe there's some areas I can grow and learn from this. We used to, for Christmas, go to my stepfather's family's house. And my Aunt Virginia, who's this traditional Italian lady, she'd be in the kitchen, she had the big hair bun up and had a cigarette, I think, in her mouth. And she made lasagna like nobody's business. Aunt Virginia's lasagna was hands down my favorite. And I had some good lasagna, but hers, it rocked it. Now, if you like the Olive Garden and you think it's Italian food or that it's authentic Italian food, you know, it has the same names and it looks similar and there's similar ingredients. But if you think Olive Garden is authentic Italian food, may God have mercy on your wretched soul. I'm only kidding, of course, slightly. It's not the same. It's just not the same. And so is the good news in our lives. It is not mass-produced. It is not simplified. It is not generic. It is not general. It is not something that we can peddle or sell. It is something that we have to live into. There's no easy way about that. doesn't mean every other way is wrong. I just want to bring out the ways Jesus preached good news. Here is the gospel being preached. It wasn't a message of theology. It was sitting down eating breakfast. It was getting a drink of water. It's going to eat at somebody's house. It was connection with people and doing life with people rerouted their entire lives. I want to declare the gospel to people in areas of their security, that God is with them. How can I do that? I can be with them, that they belong. How can I do that? I can invite them to participate, invite them to come and do a class here at the Genesis building. And all of a sudden they belong. And all of a sudden they're a part of a community. Help people to understand their significance, that there is a work that God is doing and they get to be a part of it. Something important is happening in their life, helping them to see it by journeying with them to see it. This is exciting. To me, this is, this is what drives me. This, this is what I, I, I like to see is people like Peter who are in a place where they are dejected, going back to what they knew how to do, locked into their mindset, stuck in life, and then eat breakfast with them, speak words to them, and help them to see their significance again.
It's beautiful. It's like being out in the live wilderness and feeling the air on your face and hearing the sounds of the animals, the birds and the streams. Smelling. Let's not have fish. Let's have lasagna in the oven. And living my life with people and being an example of Christ and how I do it. Can't go wrong if I try to hold on to the character of Christ, the story of Jesus, and the fruit of the Spirit. Let's do these things. Let's pray. Father, I feel so many times that I have to unlearn what I have learned so that I can make room for what you are trying to teach me. And this area of gospel has been one of those areas. Lord, this was such a big part of my life. I was overseeing, quote, evangelism in so many churches that I've been a part of. And Lord, I don't think it was bad. I don't think it was necessarily wrong what I was doing, but I don't think it was like you. And I'm grateful for your mercy that takes all the things that we do and allows them to somehow work for the good. But Lord, I want to be closer to what you are doing and who you are and how I represent you. And, and as uh, the pastor here at Genesis, I want our eyes to be open to this because this is a gospel that everyone here can and needs to preach. This is a gospel that all of us can do. Some of us are doing it and don't even realize it, that we are preaching the gospel by inviting someone to come and eat, that we are preaching the gospel by helping someone in need, that we are preaching the gospel by being there for a person at a time when they're down and struggling. Lord, may we all capture this vision or, or may it capture us and may we live into it. And God, I see right now as a time where the pandemic is not affecting us the way it did. It's still affecting others in the world, but we are experiencing more freedom, but we're also experiencing more hesitancy to step back into life. Lord, now as much as ever, we need gospel. We need to lean in to life and live it by the power of your spirit with the world around us. That is how we will preach the good news. May we do so in your name, Jesus. In your heart, we pray. Amen. Thanks, Randy. May the character of God as seen in Christ, in the story of Jesus, the empowering of his spirit, move us to preach this gospel that the world needs. God bless you guys. We love you. Hope you can be here next week. We'd love to see you all again. Celebrate together. God bless.
You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.